considering camp and I'm following it, we've been following along this theme of hope um, and how we are called to be a people of hope. Um, and one of the things um, that I reflect on when we think about hope is that sometimes it just feels, sometimes it feels, just feels hard to feel hope. Um, yeah, sometimes we just don't feel this hope. Um, we feel doubtful, we feel afraid, and, and that's what I want to speak about today. Um, today I want to share from the Gospel of John um, and the story of our brother Thomas and how God meets us in our humanity. So it's going to start with a reading from John 20, um, verses 24 to 29. Um, yeah. Uh, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hands and put them on my sides. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So in this passage, we have Jesus revealing himself to the disciples for a second time within the, this narrative of John. And this account, of John, this account of the Jesus revelation to Thomas and the other disciples marks the climax for the book of John. After this, it kind of comes into this like um, epilogue um, section. So it marks the climax of the book of John. And so this begs the question, why does the writer of John want to conclude on this story? A story that we often know as um, the story of Doubting Thomas, um, as a sort of warning, as a sort of allegory to the type of follower you shouldn't be, a Doubting Thomas. But today I want to share um, three short reflections, three short points um, that suggest that Doubting Thomas isn't necessarily some allegoric warning about your doubts, but rather that Thomas is a representation of our humanity and the way Christ responds and transforms to us through it. So when Jesus appears to the disciples first in the first occasion and in the second occasion with Thomas, he shows them his scars on his hands and on his sides. And the question that I often ask, and I've heard other people ask, is why does Jesus, after the resurrection, appear with scars on his hands and on his side? Why does Jesus still bear the scars um, from the, after the resurrection? Could God not have healed them? And, and what I say is that Jesus retains his scars and other commentators, I also Googled, um, I, what I say and other commentators say is that Jesus retains his scars to demonstrate that he is in fact fully human and that he truly did suffer on the cross. As one commentator suggests, Jesus' wounds are his credentials to the suffering race of human beings. So point one is that Christ already knows and understands our humanity. Christ already deeply knows our humanity, our fears, our doubts, our pains. Jesus retains his scars as a symbol of how he understands our pains, how he understands that we are human. The Gospel of John, the very point of the Gospel of John, is that it reminds us that Christ is God incarnate. John 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling upon, among us. So we are reminded by scars that is not only, that, uh, only God, that Jesus is not only God, but a God who was made human and thus knows our pain and fears. 
In the Bible, we know that Jesus felt the basic um, needs of human beings. He became tired. Um, he knew physical hunger. He got hungry. Um, he got thirsty. He was knew anger. He knew sadness. Um, he was tempted. And we're reminded of this truth when we come to the Eucharist table, right? When the priest breaks open the bread, they say, this is the body of Christ broken for you, and this is the cup. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. We serve a God whose real body was really broken and a God whose real blood was really spilt. We serve a God who already knows what it truly like is to be human. So point one, Christ already knows and understands our humanity. Everyone with me? Good tonight? When Jesus appears on both occasions, he appears to them in a locked room. The doors are locked, and the doors are locked in this situation because they are afraid of the Jewish authority. um, These are the Jewish authorities who literally executed their leader, and so so they're afraid, right? They have the doors locked. And Jesus appears to them in their fear, knowing this, and he says on all three occasions, um, across both appearances, peace be with you. Which leads to point two, Jesus responds to our humanity. When the disciples tell Thomas that they have seen Jesus, he says this famous response, Unless I see the nails in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. One week later, Jesus appears, and in the narrative of John, he says, Peace be with you, and then he turns to Thomas and says, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hands, put it to my side. Almost as if to prove that he already knew the apprehensions that Thomas had. He knew they were afraid, and he says, Peace be with you. He knew Thomas' desire to prove that, in fact, it was Jesus by touching his scars, and Jesus offers it to them. He knows our humanity, and then he answers them. So when I was a child, I was a child, I was a um, deeply afraid child. Um, um, It may not surprise any of you. Um, Anxious and fearful child. Um, And I often pray to God for things to happen. Um, um, Real classic ones, um, finding lost items. Um, If people know me here, I lose things like on a regular. Um, So a classic. So God, um, please help me find this. Um, So I wouldn't have nightmares. I had a lot of nightmares as a kid. Um, To pass exams. Um, I often bargain with God and try to twist the arm. Um, I'd say, um, I I will commit my life to you if I only pass this exam. I passed the exam, Um, (laughs) um, or I will read the Bible every day for the rest of my life if I only I find this wallet. Um, I found a wallet. Um, The other end of the bargain is still yet to be upheld. Um, um, And and within this childlike faith, I had this belief that God would respond to my human need, right? My fears as a child, my, my, my lost items, and he did on so many occasions, sometimes by providing and sometimes by saying, peace be with you. But as I grow up, so often I believe a different God, right? I believe that God will only meet me if I have the right thinking. That if only I don't doubt, if only I don't fear, that's what God wants. That I have to somehow please God. If I don't have the right theology, the right doctrine, the right motivation, that's what I need. That as a child, my theology was of contractual bargain. Um, It wasn't a robust theology, right? Yet God responded to me in my humanity as a small child, and says, here I am, stop doubting and believe. Christ knows what it's like to be human. He knows the doubts and fears that go into our minds. It is precisely why they can and does respond to it. 
he says to our fears, peace be with you. And to our doubts, touch my wounds, stop doubting and believe. So point two, Jesus responds to our humanity. And finally, we see Thomas' reaction to Christ's revelation. Thomas exclaims, O Lord, my God. This is profound. This was profound. In this moment, the divinity of Christ is revealed to Thomas. The revelation of Jesus both as fully human and fully God. In D.A. Carson's analysis of the text, he says, Thomas' words are a personal confession of faith. Thomas therefore thereby... Thomas thereby not only displays his faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but points to its deepest meaning. It is nothing less than the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. The most unyielding skeptic has bequeathed to us, has given us the most profound confession. Which is point three. Through our humanity, Christ transforms it into divine understanding of them and calls us into a deeper life with him. In the narrative of John, um, this story, as I said before, marks the climax of this book. It is the point of the gospel where John, of the gospel of John, to reveal where he reveals Christ as the Word that became flesh. In Thomas' humanity, in his doubt, um, Jesus transforms it into divine revelation. Oh Lord, my God! In some Christian traditions, Thomas goes all the way to preach um, Christ to India and was martyred there. Um, we have Thomas, this doubter and this representation of our humanity, and through, the, and through this Christ transforms him and calls him into this deep divine revelation and profound knowledge of Christ, which is outworked in the ministry of his life. Christ not only understands our humanity, he also, also responds to it. Uh, yeah, he also responds to it, and through that causes us to a deeper life with him. Christ takes our humanity, our doubts and fears, and transforms it into hope. Um, I just want to finish on one story. This one story that I, I absolutely love. Um, it's a story about um, my, one of my favorite albums. <laughs> um, um, and, um, and it's, um, yeah, as I write this story, I was listening to this, um, this album, uh, this, or this, um, this sermon I was writing, this al- listening to this album. Um, it's by a jazz pianist called Keith Jarrett. Um, and Keith Jarrett, um, so basically the story goes like this. Um, there was a 17-year-old woman, um, Vera Brandes, um, who somehow managed to pursue, persuade Keith Jarrett, who was this big jazz pianist star at the time, to come to Cologne, right? And she per- persuades the Cologne Opera House of about 1,400 seats to host Keith Jarrett. Now, Keith Jarrett is this perfectionist, um, to the point where he would hand out cough drops to his audience so that they don't, wouldn't cough during his performance. Um, so, and he only plays on a very particular model of piano. He, um, a very particular model of piano. Um, and somehow, however, somehow in this concert, this concert where Vera Brandes had strived to, to keep, um, somehow there's a mix-up. And he ends up with this rehearsal piano, um, which is in horrible shape, really, really bad shape. Um, we, we know that the pedal wasn't working. Um, the upper registers were very tinny. The keys were sticking. Um, it just wasn't a good piano, and anyone who's played the piano before knows those are not great things. Um, it, w- it wasn't even in tune, that's what I remember as well. It's, it wasn't even in tune. 
And initially, Keith Jarrett, this perfectionist, this person who will only play on a specific piano, um, um, refused us to play, right? Yet somehow, the 17-year-old um, 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 woman, um, Vera Brandes, chases Keith Jarrett onto the rain uh, and persuades him to play for this massive audience of 1,400 people who had come to listen to Keith Jarrett. And on this piano, he improvises, working on his broken piano to create beautiful music. And to this day, this recording is the best-selling jazz piano album of all time. Like a master pianist, a master Christ, a craftsman, Christ wields us in all our humanity, our tinny high registers and our broken pedals to true beauty, to a divine understanding of who they are. So to conclude, Christ bears the scars of our humanity. He meets us in our humanness and responds to it. And through it, he calls us to greater knowledge of who he is. Um, so today, before we enter um, a time of worship and Eucharist, um, I, I, I just want to um, maybe spend a few minutes kind of, um, yeah, in meditation. I'm going to play um, part of that album um, um, from, um, yeah, you, you'll hear in it, um, Possibly, I can't remember if it was in the first part of it, but kind of the groans and grunts of him trying to make this piano work. Uh, but, but I often, um, I just, yeah, maybe take this time to reflect and meditate on the ways God is working with us, within us, the way God is wielding our humanness, the way God is calling us into a 